Welcome to Backstage Pass Podcast, where we step behind the curtains of Bible women's stories and learn more about God, the Master Director. Let's get started together. You are listening to the U-Turn Bible Study Podcast Series, nine episodes about women of the Gospels who encourage us to turn our faith into a mighty force for God. The first four books of the New Testament of the Bible are called the Gospels, and they are named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are approximately 12 named women and at least 17 stories of singles and groups of women. Their messages are reaching out to us millennia later. And when their stunning defeats are turned into spectacular legacies, they cheer us on to victorious faith. For two charts that list these named and unnamed Bible women, please go to www.marlenehauk.com. That's M-A-R-L-E-N-E. H-O-U-K dot com. Hi, this is Marlene, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to episode two of our U-Turn Bible Study podcast. We'll step behind the drama of gospel women's stories to hear their messages. So find your Bible, grab your pen and paper or device to record your thoughts and notes. In this episode two, or lesson two, if you're following in the book, we'll discuss five questions you may have concerning this idea of entering God's world and leaving ours behind. But even more importantly, we'll talk about what that means to your journey of faith. The word limes has something to do with these five questions. And if you like, it's a learning device to help you to remember the significance of these five questions. Limes and lemons are something that I really enjoy. I love key lime pie and key lime cake. So hopefully this will help me to remember the five questions that has to do with leaving my world and entering God's world. The the letter L in the word limes has to do with leaving my world. What does that mean? And I have some uh, personal examples and uh, illustrations that you might identify with. The letter I in the word limes in indicates involving myself in God's world. How do I do that? How do I go into God's world? The M in limes has to do with the major importance of entering God's world. What does that look like? And why is it important to God? And why is it important to me? The E in limes has to do with the education that Martha gives us on how to enter God's world. It's just a simple step one, step two. She was a very good teacher. And then the S in the word limes uh, talks about the significance of entering God's world. What does that look like with skin on, as they say? And how does that work out in my daily life? See you soon. In this question one in episode two of the U-Turn Bible Study, We're going to ask some questions about what it means to leave our world and to enter God's world. What does it mean, for example, on question one, to leave my world? That is the letter L. 
how do I leave my world? It reminds me of the time I went to the grocery store. I had a full list of groceries in my mind and on my notes on my phone. And I went to the grocery store and I made my decisions. I kept my eyes on the shelves and my feet moved along the aisles. And I got ready to check out. And my particular self-service lane would not work. And so it caused me to look up and I noticed that the whole store was quiet. No chatter, no clicking, no pushing of the the grocery store items into the bags. And then I noticed that everybody was standing still in one place and nobody was doing anything. And I looked up and I noticed that the lights were out. Sometimes things happen to us that catapults us out of our world, our way of thinking, our concentration, our tunnel vision, and it and it causes us to question and to look around and see what's happening beyond our own thoughts. Another illustration of, of leaving our world is the book by Margaret Peterson Haddix called Running Out of Time. And my daughter introduced me to this book, so I'm going to ask Amber to just tell me what she thought when she read this book and what it's about. This book is about a historical reenactment village, and they were all living in the 1800s, so they thought, but they were actually living for a reenactment in a village where people were observing them. And so the adults were aware of this, but the children had no idea that they were actually living in a modern day time in 1995. So the one girl was asked to go out into modern society to find a cure for a disease that people in this supposedly historical colony had. And so when she came out into the modern day world, she had a lot of things that she had to deal with And she basically left the world that she was familiar with and came to a world that she had no idea how to deal with. That is an example of how sometimes we're catapulted out of our own world and into another world. And this was a a very unusual book, and it's it's a literal illustration of what might happen when we leave our world. Sometimes personal crises bring us out of our world and perhaps into a medical world. You learn lots of medical terminology. You meet people that you would never have normally met. And and oftentimes we're able to bring help to those people also. And so that is another way of coming out of our world. Sometimes we're tossed out of our world and sometimes we walk out of it ourselves. We get tired of of uh, the same humdrum or we get tired of our depression or our worry or our anger and we walk out of it our, ourselves. But sometimes we need the reminder that Martha gives us in the book of John to move from our world to his. Next up, we'll talk about the question of how do I involve myself in God's world? What's the definition of that? What does it mean to enter God's world? The second question we might have in talking about leaving our world and entering God's world is the question about how do I involve myself in God's world? What's a definition of that and what does it mean to enter God's world? Acts 17.28 says, 
for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. When we involve ourselves in God's world, we live and move and have our being in him. He is our focus. He is our faith. And we follow him in every definition of the word. We see our circumstances through his perspective. Have you ever looked through someone else's eyeglasses and you say, oh my word, they're too strong for me? Or have you ever gone to a science center and stood behind a partition that simulated a fly's eyes? And a fly, I think, can see in a hundred different facets at once. And you just learn that sometimes looking through another's perspective is certainly different than our own. And when we enter God's world, we see our circumstances, the crises, the good times, the relationships, the roles, the emotions. We see those through his perspective. And that is something that I need to remind myself of constantly because that's a challenge for me. And then we also see our lives on an eternal timeline rather than an earthly timeline. If you were to choose a wall in your house and you were to say that represents eternity and you were to draw a line that represented a 70 or 80 year lifespan on that timeline of eternity, how long would it be? Would it even be a speck that you could see? So the individual reactions that we have to circumstances that are, shall we say, not exactly Christian, kind of puts that in perspective when we look at eternity. And then the last thing is we see him at work. Have you ever started out your day and you just wanted to say, Lord, help me to see you at work in my life today? I know when uh, there was a certain time in my life when I had a very serious illness and I would ask God in the morning for just a little love pat sometime that day, just a little reminder of his presence. And Every time it would happen, and it was a circumstance that I knew didn't normally happen, and I would just look up at the sky and smile because I saw him at work. So this is uh, some ideas on how we can involve ourselves in God's world. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my glasses I look through life at, but the glasses that God wants me to look at life at, and that is through the Christ that lives in me. Next up, we'll talk about the major importance of entering God's world. What does that mean, and why is it important to me, and why is it important to Him? The third question that we might have about entering God's world is M, the major importance of entering God's world. Why is it important to me? Why is it important to God? Well, one of the things that we might can think about is that to enter God's world is to satisfy our deepest needs. God created us with certain voids 
that only He can fill, and only following Him can satisfy the void of a God need, that only having a God like Jesus Christ and and the Holy Spirit and God can can fulfill that void, even, no matter how deep it is. We are fulfilled and complete in Him, and we are all that we can be. We have come into the fullness of the knowledge of God. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Entering God's world can fulfill the stature of the fullness in Christ in you. It can bring you uh, the knowledge of the Son of God, and it can perfect you or complete you or make you the kind of Christian woman that God wants you to be. And then also, it is very important when we enter God's world because we are able to see the big picture. Have you ever looked at a small picture, a macro picture of a a tiny part of a bumblebee's wing. I know we used to do that in the microscope, and it looked like the richest, darkest, laciest creation by the uh, most mysterious of women, and it was just absolutely beautiful. But oftentimes, uh, when you magnify something, you can't see the big picture, and you really don't know what it is. It's, It's fascinating to look at those tiny magnified pictures. But when we enter God's world, we're able to see the big picture. We're able to understand more of how God is working in our lives and what he means by the by bringing all things together for his good, as it says in Romans 8:28. Then also, when we enter God's world, it is so important because we are able to know the truth. The Bible says, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we will know freedom because when we enter God's world, the truth is clearer. It's clearer to see, and it's clearer to enable us and empower us to discern the truth in all of our situations. As I'm sure you've been in many times, sometimes the truth is. Uh, diluted or distorted or perhaps even destroyed. And it's so important to know where it's at and how it's being treated. So these are just a very few of the things that help us to understand how important it is to enter God's world. Next up, we'll address the E in the word limes. And it talks about how Martha teaches us how we can enter God's world. The fourth question we might ask ourselves starts with the letter E, and it involves the way that Martha in the book of John tells us how to enter God's world. You might ask yourself, how can Martha teach me how to do this? Well, if you look at her story in John chapter 11, she gives simple step-by-step instructions on how to enter God's world. Martha was Mary's sister. And they were very different girls, and they also had a brother named Lazarus. Mary liked to spread the love of Jesus, and she loved to deepen her relationship with him. She could sit and listen to him for hours. And Martha served Jesus 
by doing it practically. She loved to give her the fruit of her hands. She loved to fix meals for him and to throw her doors wide open and be hospitable to all of his disciples and Jesus himself. Lazarus, their brother, became very ill. Well, Martha, being the efficient problem solver, decided to join others and ask Jesus to make Lazarus well because, by the way, he had already uh, healed many sick people. He had raised a widow's son from the dead in the city of Nain back in Luke chapter 7. Then he had raised Jairus's daughter back to life in Luke chapter 8. He had healed the demonic woman's daughter who had been possessed by a demon, and he had fed five thousands of people with food and from a miraculous, very small source. And so he had done all these things, and she was very confident that he could do that. So she sent and called for him. And so Martha teaches us how to enter God, God's world because before anything happened, step one, Martha had developed a relationship with Christ. They were firm friends. She had offered him hospitality and sent, and so she sent for him when Lazarus became sick because she loved him. She knew him and she knew what he could do for her. Step two, life happened. Doesn't life just happen to us, the bad and the good? And Martha, along with her sister Mary, experienced the crisis of her brother becoming very sick. It startles us, it scares us, and it sends us to Jesus when our loved ones become sick. Step three, Martha stepped out of her world to ask Jesus to come and heal him. Remember when I said sometimes we're catapulted out of our world by crises and situations in life, and we all of a sudden find ourselves in a place where we've never been before. Martha couldn't take care of him efficiently and effectively, no matter how hard she tried. That was her expertise. That was her strength to problem solve and to meet the needs of others. But in the case of her very own brother, whom she loved very much, she couldn't do that. But she did know how to step out of her world and ask Jesus to come and heal him. Step four, Martha made a conscious decision. Not only did she make that decision, but she vocalized it. John eleven twenty seven says, She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She actually vocalized her belief, and she made a decision to call for Jesus. Well, what does Martha's actions mean to us? Well, for one thing, Jesus was stretching Martha's faith, and we have to include that as step five. Whenever we need to enter God's world, we can rest assured that He is growing our faith and stretching our faith and empowering us to serve Him and to know Him better. In John eleven fifteen, it says, And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Jesus had said, Well, I know it looks bad on me, but I'm glad I wasn't there when Lazarus died, because that means that I can stretch your faith and that I can strengthen your belief in me. So, Step number five, we have to understand that Jesus is stretching our faith from sight, 
she knew that Jesus could actually come physically. She had seen that happen and she had heard it happen. But she needed to believe that Jesus didn't have to be there to um, heal her brother Lazarus. And so he was stretching her faith from sight to belief. And then sec- and then six, step six, he was stretching and switching Martha from entitlement to the glorious benefits of waiting. So he waited two days. John eleven six says, When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Jesus deliberately waited. And if you studied, study waiting in the Bible, you will li- realize its many wonderful benefits and how it strengthens us spiritually, how it empowers us, and how it gives us patience and hope. Step 7 Martha immediately met Jesus in her grief. She went to meet him. John eleven twenty says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Step seven, we need to meet Jesus in our grief. Go ahead and meet him. See what he has to say about the situation. And feel his arms around you, snuggling you and hugging you. Step eight, Martha struggled to understand. John eleven twenty one and 22. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. She is struggling to understand exactly who Jesus is. And Jesus is taking that, her to that place of complete belief and contentment and relaxation and trust in him. Step 9, Martha climbed over her crisis to state her faith. No matter how desperate we feel, no matter how hopeless it seems, John 11:22 records Martha's ability to overcome her crisis enough to look beyond it. She said, "But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee." She knew that God was able to raise Lazarus from the dead again. And Martha, step 10, stated it. She vocalized it. In John eleven twenty seven. she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which is come into the world. A very significant statement. Not only was it her personal belief, not only was she telling us to say in our crises, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. But she was also vocalizing it in of, of, of herself. And she was one of the ones that got to state the theme of the whole Gospel of John. She was quite literally in the crossroads of pointing others to him. Step 11, Martha turned decisively away to live her faith because she now had entered his world. She knew when it had happened. She knew what she needed to do next. John eleven twenty eight says, And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Next up, we'll talk about actually what this means, the significance of when we enter God's world, when we follow Martha's steps, and how it looks, what it looks like in our modern day living. In this last question about entering God's world, 
it has to do with the significance of it. What does it look like when we enter God's world? What effect does it have in our lives? Well, one of the things that it does is that it might not look anything different on the outside to others, but on the inside, there is this powerhouse of hope and love and focus that changes our views on our crises and our situations. Our reactions when we have entered God's world are slowly adjusted to His perspective. Since life is now interpreted through Christ's eyes, goals are viewed differently. Philippians 3.14 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's our goal now, not to get the clothes washed or the groceries bought or the children in bed by a certain time, but our our goal is to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Emotions are secondary. Truth from the Word of God is primary. Our relationship with Christ is richer and deeper. In this verse, it talks about that. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We can delve into that and drink out of that fountain of wisdom and knowledge. And that is what it looks like when we have entered God's world. We have access to incredible resources. We have our needs and our voids filled. We have our focus changed. And we have our goals reoriented to the eternal instead of the secondary. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode 2 of of U-Turn Bible Study for Women. I hope that it has helped you to understand how we can leave our earthly world and enter God's world at any moment that we choose. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening to this episode in our podcast series, U-Turn Bible Study, where gospel women join us on our journey of faith and help us to turn our viewpoint of life into the victory of faith in Christ. Be sure to share this podcast with friends. Join us next time as we step behind the scenes of gospel women's stories and discover transforming truths.